If you would like to borrow a Bible, you can raise your hand, and the ushers will bring you a Bible. Just raise your hand high, and the ushers will bring you a Bible. And you can put it on the pew, and you are done. Since it is Father's Day, I've decided that it's my opportunity to address men. Usually when I preach sermons to men, I'm just going off. like, cannot be stopped. Just going off. But I'm going to be nice today to the men and to myself and not go off much. And I'm also understanding there's a lot of women in here, and I hope the women also benefit from today's message. But I'm going after the hearts and heads of men. And the topic may surprise you that I'm talking to men. Because the topic is adoption. Now before you, you, zone, you zone out and think, oh man, that is totally a woman thing. Like adoption is just, it's a woman's thing, it's for women, not for men. I just want you to know, okay, yes, women can be passionate about adoption too. I preached it on Mother's Day last year. But I moved it to Father's Day to say, look, this is not just a woman's thing. But it's also something men can get passionate about too. I mean, that's ridiculous to say it's a woman's thing. Uh, Someone put it like this. What if we said the Great Commission was only for women? Wouldn't you think that's ridiculous? Like, what if our church got passionate about sending missionaries into the 1040 window, into this extremely dangerous territory, and and a guy stands up and he says, I vote... We only send in the women. You'd think that guy's an idiot, wouldn't you? In the same way, adoption is not just a woman's thing. But it's something that that men can be passionate about. And as I say some things this morning, some of the the women in here may go, Man, don't, don't say it like that. Say it in a different way. But once again, I'm not, I'm not addressing women. I'm, I'm talking to guys as if we're at Buffalo Wild Wings. We have 16 games on at once, all right? That's who I'm talking to. I'm going right after guys. And I know that a lot of you guys here are, are at different ages in life, and you may think, oh, man, this, this has nothing to do with me. I got up for church for no reason. Now I'm going to have to sit through this boring adoption sermon that has absolutely nothing to do with me. You're wrong. Adoption has to do with everyone in here. But specifically this morning, adoption has to do with men. Let me show you how. I read this scenario this past week for you men. Here's the scenario I read. I'm going to kind of give you this situation. Just kind of imagine yourself for a moment that you are adopting a child. You are adopting a 12-year-old boy, okay? I know some of you are like, but I'm only 18. Just, Just think about it, all right? You're adopting a 12-year-old boy. And here's the scenario. You ready? You meet with a social worker. This is what you do when you adopt. You meet with a social worker. And as you're meeting with the social worker, you're, you're in these, these last stages of adoption. And you're told that this 12-year-old boy has been in psychotherapy since he was three. He persists on burning things. And he repeatedly tries to skin kittens alive. He acts out sexually, though the social worker doesn't elaborate what that means. And he also has this history. 
his father, great-grandfather, great-great-grandfather, and great-great-great-grandfather all have histories of, of violence, ranging from spousal abuse to serial murder. And each of them have ended life the same way, death by suicide. Each was found hanging from a rope of blankets in his respective prison cell. And here's this 12-year-old boy. Would you adopt him? He's got a history of dysfunction, craziness expressed in sexual morality, uncontrolled rage, and violence. Would you adopt that 12-year-old boy? Now, men, this is what I want you to get today. That 12-year-old boy is you. It's you. Yeah, that's you with the dysfunction. That's you with the craziness. And God, the Father, has intervened and has adopted you into his family. Before we can ever talk like this, this horizontal adoption, we first have to have the vertical in view that our Heavenly Father has adopted wayward children like us into his family. And once we realize that our adoption has been finalized, it's a done deal, we're accepted into his family forever, then and only then can we start to move out in horizontal ways to love other people, and that includes loving and caring for the orphan. And one of the ways that can be expressed is through adoption. So vertical adoption can encourage and compel and move forward horizontal adoption. It's the foundation. Once we understand we're adopted children of God, then we can move out in ways to express the heart of the Father to those who are in need. So what I want to do this morning is I kind of want to start vertically. I want you to really understand this concept of the Father adopting you, and then I want to move horizontally. So in order to start vertically, I want us to turn to Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1. Typically, we preach through books of the Bible. Many years ago, we preached through Ephesians. Next week, we're going to start preaching through 1 John. But today, we're going to jump around again. So Ephesians chapter 1. You might think that the theology of adoption is not very significant. But it is very significant. If any of you have ever read the classic Christian book by J.I. Packer, Knowing God... I'm going to put this quote up, what he says about adoption. He says, Our understanding of Christianity cannot be better than our grasp of adoption. The theology of adoption is rooted in the heart of Christianity and how we can speak about our conversion and acceptance by the Father through Christ. Let's see this played out in Ephesians chapter 1, starting in this grand prayer of Paul the church at Ephesus. Let's start in verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption through Jesus Christ 
according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us and the beloved. Over this past year, I have listened, it feels like, to, to tons of messages and read a ton on, on adoption and different sermons. And, and John Piper up at Bethlehem Baptist has given some of the best. He's done a great job on this passage here, and I can't improve on it. So I just want to kind of share with you three things that he has taught on this, and it's really simple. It goes like this. Adoption is from God through Jesus Christ to the praise of his glory. Adoption is from God through Jesus Christ to the praise of his glory. Let's see it in the text here. First, adoption is, is from God. It's, it's God's thought. It's not his, it's his idea. It's not an afterthought. If you look once again in verse 5, it says, He predestined us for adoption through Jesus Christ. He chose us, if you see in verse 4, in him before the foundation of the world. This is amazing. It's not as if we orphaned ourselves in sin and, and God looks down and goes, look at all those orphans. What am, what am I going to do? Well, I guess I'll adopt them. No. Adoption wasn't plan B for God, not an afterthought. This is something he planned for you to be adopted into his loving family before the foundation of the world. He predestined that it would be so. It's God's plan, not an afterthought. Adoption is in his heart. It's from God and not from us. And he planned for it to happen in your life at just the right time. Let me show you the scripture in Galatians 4, 4 through 5. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. Once again, adoption is God's idea. We didn't create this. This is his idea. And this is the way he is using described language, how he got into his family. It's, 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 it's language to say how he brought us in. He's using the words here. Listen to what John Piper says. He says, therefore, your adoption is not based on your fitness, your worth, or your distinctives. It is rooted in God's eternal purpose and grace. And that means that your adoption is not fragile or tenuous or uncertain. God will not adopt and then find out that you are not worthy and unadopt. He knows we are unworthy. God's not going to put you on a plane and send you back where you came from because he thinks, oh, I didn't know about that about you. You're definitely unworthy. It's been running through my head the last few days that God is not going to unadopt me. I love that. He's not going to unadopt you. It's his idea. He has brought you into his family, unworthy children, into his family. And he loves us and we're his. Adoption. It's from God. But if you notice, it's also adoption is through Jesus Christ. Look at verse 5. He predestined us for adoption through Jesus Christ. In order for us to be adopted, it had to come through the death of Jesus Christ. Our sins had to be dealt with. God's wrath had to be removed before we could be accepted into his family. And that only comes through Jesus Christ. 
The idea is here that we were, we were orphans because of our sin, and God brings us into his family through Jesus. And here's where we need to make a distinction. It's a very important distinction. Because we never want to say that someone has been put in a, in a fatherless or, or a childless, uh, of a parent, no parent situation because of their sin. You see, sin in general has created the physical orphan crisis in this world, not a specific sin of orphans. You, you, you tracking with that? But when we talk about our lives, it's our responsibility, it's our specific sin that has created our spiritual orphan crisis. Now, you need to understand the distinction because what God has done for us is magnificent. Because if you are being compelled and moved by some of the, the pictures on TV after the earthquake of Haiti, and you see the children over there, and you go, those children, oh, what they're going through, and they're so cute. I just want to adopt them and to, to bring them into our family. And we see the effects of sin are hurting them. We want to bring them in. We're compelled because they're so cute. God wasn't looking down at you. And he wasn't looking at you thinking, you're so cute. He wasn't looking at you saying, man, what a perfect child. Because the reality is, we were contaminated, we were corrupt, and we were in rebellion against God. And the only way that he could accept us had to be through Jesus Christ. Consider these scriptures from Romans chapter 5, verses 6 and 10. It says, For while we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. While we were enemies, while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son. Now that's just grace right there. We're not cute kids. We're rebellious sinners who were enemies of God. And at that point, that's when he intervenes to adopt us. Isn't that amazing? And that's why it's not about us. All praise and glory and honor have to go to him. And that's the third point. Adoption is for God's glory. Look at verse 5 and 6. He predestined us for adoption through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the beloved. So adoption is done to the praise of of his glorious grace. Adoption is for God's glory. We praise him that he would intervene to adopt unworthy sinners such as us. And his grace is truly amazing. It really is. Adoption is from God through Jesus Christ to the praise of his glory. That applies to everyone in here who is a believer or follower. You've repented of your sins. You're following Christ. You've been adopted into God's family. Adoption is relevant for you. There's great theology in the Bible on adoption. Lord willing, in the future, we'll bring some more of it to you. You've been adopted to God's family. And so when we talk about orphans in the world, we talk about moving out and adopting those from different countries, from our countries, who find themselves in need. It's not like we're just making something up. It's not like we're going, wow, there really is... No biblical connection there. No. We're people who have been adopted. We are adopted children. And so we are just moving out from, I guess, who we are and caring for those who are in need. So let's talk about the need. Let's start to move a little bit horizontally now and let's talk about the need. Let's turn over to the book of James. 
Look at the book of James. James chapter 1. James chapter 1, verse 27. James 1, 27 says this. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this. To visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. Now, last year we had a sermon not just about orphans, but also about widows, uh, of caring for the elderly. And many of you in here have, have, have gotten involved in caring for the elderly. Many of you are part of senior connections where you visit a senior citizen, you love them, and you encourage them. So that's definitely in the heart of God also in caring for widows. But today we're going to hone in on this idea of caring for the orphans. And it says right here that we are to visit orphans and their affliction. And it kind of sounds like when the ESV is like, visit kind of means like, you know, I'm going to take this mission trip, we're going to go to the orphanage, I'm going to visit them, and then I'm going to come home. Or I'm going to go, I'm going to visit a, a, an orphan and their affliction, and then I'm going to come home. So it kind of has the idea of just dropping by, how you doing, see you later. But the terminology here is actually more like caring for taking care of orphans in their need. And there are many ways to do that. You know, World Vision, Compassion International are, are great outreaches in caring for the orphans and their affliction around the world. And so adoption is not the only piece, but it is one piece of caring for the orphans and their need and bringing them into families. Now, as we speak about orphans in need, there's always these portions of the sermons or these portions of articles or portions of books where you have to stop and you have to give some statistics. Because if you don't give any statistics, you'll just think, well, is there really a need? Come on. I haven't seen any uh, orphans in affliction recently. Is there really a need? Are there really orphans in the world? And so as I've been talking to my wife about this, we knew that the statistic portion had to be presented this morning, but we just got to talk about it in ways that will make sense to you. And so you don't just start zoning out. And so we came up with this idea of how we're going to present some of these numbers to you, and it may or may not work. We'll see. So let's start with some of the numbers. Here's the reality. There's about 143 million orphans worldwide. Did you know that? And like, okay, it's just a number, 143. All right, let me, let's kind of break it down. Let's think about the, the earthquake in Haiti. Before the earthquake in Haiti, there was about 380,000 orphans before the earthquake. Now, I, I don't know how many are after. I don't know if they've had accurate estimates, but let's kind of estimate on the low end and say after the earthquake, there is 400,000 orphans after. I mean, it could be more, it could be less. But let's just say 400,000 is a good number. Now, here we go. Just trying to put things in perspective. My wife and I are pursuing an adoption right now from the country of Ethiopia in Africa. And in Ethiopia, there are somewhere between four to five million orphans in one country. No joke. That's perspective, right? But then you think, oh, yeah, but everybody's adopting. It's like, it's like the 
cool thing to do. It's in the news and everybody wants to do it. Well, let me tell you the number of orphans that came home from Ethiopia last year. 2,200. Is, is that a lot to you? Four to five million and only 2,200 came home to America last year. It's not a lot. Now, let's, let's kind of branch out a bit. Kaviti Kakama, uh, our, our pastor of the Congolese church from the Democratic Republic of Congo, great friend of mine, great friend of our church. We love him. We talk a lot about his country this past November. In his country, similar to Ethiopia, four to five million orphans. Like no joke. I think about 50,000 of them live on the streets of Kinshasa alone. Significant crisis there. And you may wonder, well, how many of them last year were adopted to the United States? Let's just talk about our country. 21. Does that sound a lot to you? No, that's, that's, that's not a lot. I know it's in the news. You know, Anderson Cooper from CNN, he was over there in Haiti. He's reporting on the earthquake, and they really started hitting on all this orphan stuff. And people are saying, Anderson, why are you not talking about this anymore? And he says, because the ratings are way down. <laughs> people don't care. And so you think international adoption is in the news, but did you know that international adoption is on the decline? People are doing it less and less for a variety of reasons. In fact, last year in 2009, it's been one of the lowest in years at 12,000 overall international adoptions to the U.S. That's it. 143 million orphans in the world. 12,000. And it's estimated by the year of 2013 the international adoptions to America will drop all the way down to 6,000. It's going down and down and down. But the need is going up and up and up. As disease is spreading, especially in Africa, as AIDS, as, as you, think, you think it's under control, and yet it still keeps killing parents over and over and over. But let's think about the United States. Though the statistics are not as staggering, the, the need domestically is also great. There are about 135,000 children waiting to be adopted every year in America. I don't think we need to spend that much more time on statistics. I mean, come on. Come on. Come on. Orphans are in affliction. James 1.27 says we need to visit them. We need to care for them. It's definitely there. And what I'm trying to get you to think about is this. We have this vertical adoption by the Father who loves you. And I'm, I'm just trying to make you consider men just for a moment. Just for a moment. Maybe. Just maybe. Just for you to consider. Maybe God may be moving you this way to do something and showing the Father's heart to those who are orphans in need. But you, you may think, man, it's crazy. It's, adoption is, is, is like, you, you create it, it's like this so exotic, it's, 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 it's too hard, it's, it's way out there, it doesn't make sense, it's not part of my paradigm, it's not part of my family, not part of my culture. And you create, if you're not careful, you'll create adoption where it seems like only for those who are crazy go and do it. Like those who want to really take a risk go and do it. But I'm trying to show you that it can be a normal part of family building. Those of you who are building your family, it can be a normal part of family building. And, and I want to show you this video of, of a guy who's a, a father who was adopted when he was a child and now he is also adopted. So let me show you this, this video now of just the normalcy of adoption. If a person was to look at our family with the traditional view, we wouldn't have a family. 
I remember being five years old and a kid on the playground in kindergarten asking me why I had blonde hair and my father had black hair and my mother had dark brown hair. I remember feeling proud and I said, that's because I'm adopted. There's no distinction in my mind. I don't think of them as my adoptive parents. They're my parents. I'm very grateful for that decision that my birth mother made. No, a 16-year-old making that decision, I respect it. Because of the beauty of my own experience um, of being adopted um, and it being one of the most significant things um, in terms of who I am, uh, one of the things that I'm most proud of, I wanted to, I wanted to be able to not only experience um, the process of adoption on the side of a parent, as my parents did, but I also wanted to be able to, to give the, that, that amazing experience to, to somebody else, to another child. When Mary Beth and I had our first conversation, she brought up that she wanted to adopt, had always wanted to adopt as well. So when we got married, it wasn't a, you know, if we don't get pregnant or if we do get pregnant, you know, when do we do it? We just knew we were going to adopt. Mabry is full of life. She's passionate. She's running around all the time. Um, just, a, just a ball of, uh, of joy, of laughter. Evie is very funny. She has more of a, of a dry wit. She and Mabry really get each other. They, they complement each other really well. And together they just they make quite a pair. There's two ways that God brings children into your family. I think you, uh, He brings children into your family through um, pregnancy and birth, and He brings children into your family through adoption. I don't see any, any lines. You know, Mabry is as much my baby girl as Abby is, and vice versa. When I think about Mabry being born and us being in the, in the same town and going to the hospital, the anxiety, um, the different, just the different levels of emotions, I don't know that they're that different from the emotions you feel when you're pregnant. We've experienced both and, and I felt very similar in both instances. My experience with my family is the same as yours. I have two daughters and a wife to annoying dogs. That's my best part, he has two annoying dogs. <laughs> That's great. Just trying to show you it could be normal. We're not talking about something so far-fetched and, and exotic and way out there can be normal. And, and since we're, we're sitting around, you know, I'm talking to the guys today, like I said, just like we're hanging out at, at, at Buffalo Wild Wings, just talking through these things while watching the games. Um, you need to know Sometimes it can be hard. Okay? Some things can be very challenging if you decide to pursue this, this road. Uh, but we need to be realistic as believers that things can be hard and challenging. And you know you're having your own kids can be hard and challenging. Believe me, I have four of them. It's very challenging at times. But there's also some challenges that can come along with adoption. Now, because there's going to be issues you may not know about from attachment issues, perhaps physical, mental, background issues, problems you're never thought about. We actually went to go see an adoption counselor and we sat down with her and we said, you know, we're, we're considering adoption. And basically what she did for the next hour, she thought of the worst possible horror stories to talk us out of it. She just threw everything she possibly had at us to scare us to death. S gave us books that, that are scary books. And, it, and it's one of those times in my life where, where you look down and you, and you think, you know what? I, this woman, who we respect greatly, has just scared us <laughs> a lot. 
and you'll see a lot of the news that could be scary. But I am wondering this. There's 143 million orphans in the world. If Christians don't step up, who's going to step up? The government? Is the government going to step up? No. And I was thinking more about the Father's heart. There's so much in the Bible about the Father's heart for orphans. There's this passage in Psalm 68.5. It shows God, Father of the fatherless and protector of widows, is God in his holy habitation. So the picture is God dwelling in his holiness, ruling over Israel. But he's holy and he's kind and his heart is for the fatherless. His heart is for the orphan. I thought, if that's the father's heart, I want to reflect that heart in some small way in this world, if that's the father's heart. You will find God's heart for the orphan and the fatherless in the most random places in the Bible. Recently, I've been reading through Jeremiah, all, all books. And at the very end of the book, it's talking about how God is just going to be wiping out many nations. And it's, it's just, it's kind of boring to read. It's like we move on from one nation to the next, to the next, to the next. But then you come to the Edomites, and he says, I'm going to come in there, and I'm going to destroy the proud here. I'm going to destroy these people. I'm going to Basically, he's saying, I'm going to destroy the whole country, but I'm going to leave the orphans and the widows. May the widows trust in me. I thought it's very interesting that God's heart is just seeping through in the strangest passages in the, in, the, in the Bible for the defenseless, the widows, and the orphans. If that's his heart, like for real, that's God's heart. I want to have a little bit of that reflecting in my life. And I just want you to know, for those of you who are not, don't feel called to adopt for a variety of reasons, that's fine. Did you know that you can have your heart in it without having your hands in it? Heard someone describe it that way. He wants his heart in it, even though he's not going to adopt. He wants his heart in it to encourage those who have their hands in it. So I'm talking to you, my brothers, and you're, and you're, you're moving out. You're saying, okay, you see the normalcy, you see the need, but what are some of the challenges beyond the scariness of it? Well, if you feel convicted that God has called you to adopt, one of the challenges you may have will be interpersonal. Maybe you call your parents on the phone and say, hey, we've decided to adopt. Don't be surprised if they're not jumping up and down because they probably won't be. They'll be like, what are you talking about? Are you crazy? And then they'll try to scare you too. <laughs> but there's some other interpersonal dynamics that could happen if you want to move out of adoption. And, and, and that may include your spouse. And that's what happened in, in, in my marriage. Around the winter of 2009, God was stirring me up to move in this direction. And I would tell my wife, and she's like, no, I'm, I'm, I'm done having kids. That's it. And then about three or four months later, we were in small groups. And I, and I don't know how to explain the small group this now, but it felt as if the Holy Spirit landed on our group, landed specifically on my wife, stirred her up. And ever since then, we've been running together in the same direction. In fact, there have been times that she's been, been running way out ahead of me. <laughs> Just so eager for this to happen. But the challenges are still there. But now we're running together. We're jumping these hurdles together. 
we're facing together because the challenges still come up. You know, there, there are challenges that we have faced is that we, we moved out and pursuing adoption and we were going with this one agency, we were almost done with this agency and they totally dropped us. It was very discouraging, disheartening, but we jumped that hurdle together. And then we started pursuing international adoption along with domestic adoption. And as we pursued four different domestic adoptions, we were rejected four different times. And to describe the emotions of that, I don't even know how to describe that. And now we're, we're, we're locked in on Ethiopia. That's where we're going, Lord willing. We're going we're to adopt a child from there. But there's still hurdles. I mean, we just thought we had to fly there once. No big deal. Just fly over to Africa once, fly back. It's not that far, right? Well, now we have to fly twice. And we don't know when that's going to happen. And now we have to deal with court closings, investigation, uh, birth certificate searches. You think, what, what else can possibly happen? We just want to show love here. We just want a child to love. And, and there's so many different hurdles because the God of this world is totally against adoption. The God of this world is trying to trip everything up. Not only does he not want our father to adopt us, but he doesn't want us to move out and show anything and adopting children at all. The God of this world will trip us up. And we should expect to have it no other way. So what are some of the logistics? These guys always want to know, tell me the facts. What are the logistics? And so some of the objections may be, you're too old to adopt. Okay, maybe. But maybe not. You'd be surprised how old you can be and still adopt. Some of you may say, my place is too small. Have you seen my place? It's way too small. Chances are, it's just fine. The number of children crammed in homes, in orphanages, in cribs, your place is probably fine. And you say, yeah, but what about the money? I don't have money to raise another kid. I mean, okay, you may have to quit eating out so much, you may have to drive a beater and go back to dial up internet access if it still exists, all right? You have to make some of these adjustments in your life. And then if you can jump that hurdle, say, yeah, yeah, we can swing it. Okay, how, how much does it cost to adopt? Like, like a thousand bucks? No, no, sometimes it can cost 20 to 30 to $40,000. Like, what? Are you kidding me? Twenty, thirty, forty thousand dollars? Are you crazy? Let me tell you this. You know how we have missionaries up here, and we say, if God has called a missionary to the field, He'll provide funding for them, and they see it happen all the time, right? Well, if God has called you to adopt, He's going to give you the money. I don't know how, but in my wife and I, as we've been pursuing adoption, we've been blown away by God's provision. And just two weeks ago, we had a special gift given to our church, and we've decided to set aside some of that for uh, our church adoption fund. It's a small amount, but we're going to try to get some matching grants going on for those of you who want to pursue adoption. And we're working with this agency called Lifesong, and, and Lifesong is going to administrate the funds, and they'll also give you larger interest-free loans. If God has called you, he will give you provision to get you going in that direction. So let me give you some action, all right? Let me give you some action, okay? See, I want you to totally understand God has adopted you. Your father's adopted you. Now you can move out. You can be encouraged to consider moving out on horizontal adoption. But there's three things for action where you can actually do something. All the, every, all the men in here, including the women in here, can do these things too. 
So no matter who you are, the first thing I want to encourage everyone to do in here, I mean, I'm telling you, this, this book will encourage you, is read this book called Adopted for Life by Russell Moore. Adopted for Life. You don't have to move any closer to adoption. Just read the book. It's so theologically rich about the Father's adoption of us. It's practically helpful. And I just want us to create a culture in our church where we have this heart for our adoption. Even if we don't all have our hands in it, we can have our heart in it. This, I'm telling you, this book is good. I'll, I'll be so encouraged if all of you can read it. Second action point, especially for those of you who are younger in school, is to consider uh, sponsoring a child. You know, um, when I was in school, I I went through one of these things and I sponsored a child through World Vision. And that was was many, many years ago. And so each month you see the child from World Vision or, you know, Compassion International, and many of them are orphans. You see what they're going through. And over the years, what's happening is, is God's working on my heart, saying, look, look at these children around the world. Look, look, look. And so that, that's a good thing, especially if you're a single guy, is to, is to sponsor a child. And you can just, God's heart for, for his caring for his orphans will start being built in you. But the third thing that you can really do is that if you're interested in talking more about it, I personally would love to meet with you, like for real. We can set up a time. We can meet together. I'm not, it'll be completely confidential. We're not going to put it in the EBF news and notes that you might are considering adopting. We won't tell anybody. Just come and meet. We'll talk. We'll hang out. We'll walk through some of the possibilities. We'll pray together. But if you want to consider this, let's, let's no commitment, but let's just get the ball rolling. Come see me. Let's set up a time. We can talk further about it. And just think about bringing another child into your family and as I look around the room trying not to be emotional I know many of you as adults have been adopted as children and many of the children in here have been adopted and to think of how much fun you've had in your family how enjoyable it has been to be around your dad and your mom and all the excitement it's been to raise uh, your children I know there's struggles and those challenges but, but praise God he's brought people together and how, how big of a blessing uh, many of you could get up here and give great testimonies just about how, how wonderful your, your time has been together. And, and so I, I just want to hear, before I say a few more things, I just want to show you a couple of clips just to show you just some, some time of dads spending with their kids. They're, they're not very serious. They're not going to make you cry or anything like that. So let's just watch a couple of these clips. Smallest moments can have the biggest impact on a child's life. Take time to be a dad today. Big day here on Sports Center. Highlights across the sporting world. Robert, let's start in the backyard with wiffle ball. The dad brings the heat, but the kid had a heater. Knocks the stuffing out of it, and he takes a digger. He doesn't touch first, but that's okay. To the driveway. Big game of horse. Devastating if it goes. Oh, but she's off the mark. That's going to haunt her. Now let's go to backyard soccer. He who hesitates is lost. 
Except this guy, that's a goal. No, no, no. This is once-in-a-lifetime stuff here. The best highlights happen at home. Take time to be a dad today. You know, all around the world, there, there, there are literally millions of children who will not be able to do that because they have no dad, they have no mom. They not only don't have nails, uh, you know, their dads to paint their nails or to play sports with, but they don't have dads to tell them about God's adoptive love for them in Jesus Christ. Can you think about that? But many of them are not even getting the gospel of Jesus. And you think about a girl, and this is, this is kind of what brought us into the whole adoption process in the first place. You just think about a girl somewhere in this world. She's not going to have her dad painting her nails. She's going to grow up, this is no joke, this is, this is real. She's going to grow up fatherless, in an orphanage. Perhaps she's going to experience abuse. And when she ages out of the orphanage, this is very common, a pimp is going to be there to pick her up and he'll paint her nails for her. Think about many of the boys who are growing up, lots and lots of boys around the world who are orphans, no father, no mother. And many are just struggling to stay alive, and, and some will enter a life of crime and possibly early, early death. And they will not grow up with dads playing soccer with them. I keep thinking about these, these boys and these girls who are not going to have a dad that's going to tell them about Jesus, but they're going to probably, a lot of them grow up with a really distorted view of who Jesus is, or be raised following other gods. And, and men, what I'm about to tell you is really not the way I know I'm supposed to say things. It's not politically correct in the adoption world. And if you ever go through an adoption home study, don't talk like this because you'll get in trouble. But I'm going to talk like it because we're just hanging out, right? In some sense, you need to get this. Adoption is a rescue mission done by those who have been rescued. There are kids growing up around the world without parents and they're suffering in many ways. And I want to ask you this question. What are you going to do about it? Yeah, no, you don't have to have your hands in it. Where's your heart going to be? But for those of you who feel called, have your hands in it. What are you going to do? What are you going to do about it? What are you going to do about it? If you told me that my daughter or my son was living off of one meal a day, barely. If you told me that my daughter or son was being sexually abused, possibly physically abused. If you told me they were crying themselves to sleep at night. If you told me they had parasites or they had diarrhea, which, which is a killer in some parts of the world. If you, if you told me that, I'm just wondering, would I sit on my rear and watch another round of Sports Center for the third time? For real? I mean, would I just kick back and do nothing? 
and I think about my Father in heaven. And he saw me in the mess I was in. My world was caving in. And he didn't just go, ah, I'm not going to do anything. He sent his son, Jesus, on a rescue mission, and he redeemed me, and he redeemed you, and now we've been redeemed by the love of the Father. And now we can be compelled to move out and do something. Let's pray. Father, I thank you that your adoption of us can encourage us to move out and love others. I praise you that there there are many in here who have um, repented of their sins and believed in Jesus and you've adopted us into your forever family. There are many of here who have experienced physical adoption in a variety of ways and rejoice in your grace and how that's worked out our lives. And may you compel, Lord. I, I just compel a few young men in here, young women in here, just to get the vision early. And for those who are, who are capable and able now, give them a vision now. To, to not just always think about what's the most comfortable, how can we save for our kids' college, or all these luxuries we have when when, when those who have been creating, created in your image around the world are suffering. And so, Lord, I just ask that you would stir us up to not just go home today and uh, ignore your heart. But to have our hands in it, to have our hearts in it, and to follow your heart. In Jesus' name, amen.